Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. You're listening to Artifacts, a show that dives into the fascinating history of famous artworks and painters. Broadcast on C31, Stupid Old Studios YouTube channel, and the Community Radio Network. When you think about controversial art pieces, you probably think about nudity or political statements or a bull and a little girl. You probably don't think about bright yellow geometric sculptures, but that is exactly what became Melbourne's most controversial art piece. This is Vault. Hi, welcome to Artifacts. My name is Jess Perkins and I'm here with Dave Warnicke and Matt Stewart as we sit inside <laughs> a big, beautiful yellow piece of art called Vault. Oh, oh I was wondering why you invited us here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've heard of outsider art. <laughs> it feels like we're insider <laughs> art now. <laughs> it's like we're sitting under a colourful overpass. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's beautiful. I imagine the artist would love that kind of feedback. <laughs> it's like a, a very nice bus shelter. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. It's got a very interesting uh, history, this particular piece of art. And I'd love to tell you a little bit about it, if you'll indulge me. I'd love to hear about it. Well, first of all, let's talk, let's describe what it is that we're sitting underneath. Obviously, very large scale sculpture. It's about five-ish metres tall, made from welded steel, painted this beautiful bright warm yellow which you see around Melbourne quite a bit now and that is uh, not a coincidence 
It's ah. kind of because of this particular piece of art, which oh. I'll talk a little bit about later. It's called Vault Yellow. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's geometric abstraction. If you had to categorise it, I'm guessing that's probably oh. what you would have said. I hope the surgery went well. <laughs> <laughs> abstraction. Um, so yeah, a type of art that uses geometric shape and form to generate abstract compositions. So essentially it's not trying to be anything or look like anything. It's just its own, you know, it's its own thing. You do you. Exactly. Thank you. Yes. It's you do you art. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the best way to talk about it. So it currently sits here outside the Australian Centre of, for Contemporary Art or ACCA in South Bank, but it hasn't always lived here. Uh, in fact, it's been the subject of a lot of criticism and controversy over the last uh, 40-ish years. So a little bit of backstory. So Vault is a piece by award-winning sculptor Ron Robertson Swan. He was born in Sydney in 1941. Ron Swan? <laughs> That's why you took the Robertson. Robertson. Yeah. Ron Robertson Swan. You've got to get a bit of distance between the Ron and the Swan. Ron and Swan. it's double N Swan, so it's very different to Ron. Yeah. You know? It's completely different. His name's Ron no. Swan. Ron Swan. Ron Robertson Swan. Ron Rob Swan. Ron Swan. Ron Rob Swan. Ron Rob Swan. <laughs> Uh, we'll get bogged down in that. He was born <laughs> yeah. in 1941 in Sydney and he studied under Lyndon Dadswell at the National Art School before moving to the UK in the early 60s to study under Anthony Caro and Philip King at St Martin's School of Art, a very prestigious art school. This is a very cool description of him. He's been described by Australian sculpture historian and critic, very specific mm. art critic. Just sculptures for me. I imagine things. there's dozens of these. Yeah. These jobs. Sam's Graham Sturgeon, but how's this description that Graham said of Ron Rob Swan? <laughs> Says the most consistent of the classic formalists, that is the one most concerned to produce a sculpture which, while obviously of its era, transcends consideration of style in search of a timeless sense of rightness. Oh yeah. Now I understood like every third word, <laughs> but it sounds good. I know, yeah. a timeless sense of rightness. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's yeah. like, yes, it's of, it's of its era, but it's also timeless. Mm. Love that. That's how you want to be described as a person and an artist, I think. Yes. I think of you in that in those sort of terms. Do you? Is it because... Of your era. Is it because I just said I'd, it's a really great way to be described and you're being kind? Huh? You think I'm of my era? That's something that I, That's just something that's been ringing around in my huh. head for a bit now. <laughs> but if I'm of my era, am I also timeless? Yeah. Wow. But finally Sturgeon's put it into words. <laughs> and to learn a little bit more about Vault, I'm here with Dr Amy Spears at RMIT School of Art. Can you tell me a bit about uh, whether or not the controversy of Vault had a, an impact on Ron Robertson Swan's career moving forward? He said he, he felt a bit hurt about the public response and was kind of a bit shocked by it. He was hoping that the sculpture would be sort of embraced by the public and I think he specifically designed it for people to be able to walk through it and sort of, you know, it was supposed to accommodate people and, you know, be enjoyed by people. And so he was, he was surprised by the reaction. He's been interviewed more recently and he said ultimately it didn't actually hurt his career and it made him famous, the controversy. <laughs> He's like, even taxi drivers know me. Now this wasn't uh, a sculpture that Ron just whipped up in the studio or the backyard uh, <laughs> on a whim. It had a very, very clear purpose for its design. So, back in 1976, an architectural competition was launched by Melbourne City Council to design a permanent Melbourne City Square, which we kind of know of on Swanston Street between Melbourne Town Hall and St Paul's Cathedral, where the Burke and Will statue was, is no longer, but it was for a very long time. And the competition was won by Denton Corker Marshall Architects. Wow. Corker. 
<laughs> I'd describe this as a bloody cool It's an absolute cool yeah. I'd, I'd call it a Denton. I'd call it a Marshall. Um, so DCM were the architects. And if that, if DCM rings a bell at all, it might oh, be Oh, yeah, the snacks from your lunchbox. The rice bubble treats, love them. <laughs> they were good, weren't they? Yeah. And the LCMs, and it didn't stand for anything, did it? Right. So have we discussed that so many times? Whereas DCM stands for those three words you said before. Denton, One of them being Corker. Corker, Marshall, correct. So yeah, if DCM rings a bell at all to anybody, it might be because they've also been behind buildings and structures like the Melbourne Museum, the Exhibition Centre, Melbourne Gateway, big yellow chip oh, yeah. <laughs> along near this the freeway. feels like the cousin of the chip. Absolutely, it does, yeah. They also did like the War Memorial in Canberra, a bunch of other really noteworthy and, and yeah, a lot of big... Big buildings, not just in size, but I mean like significance. Yeah. So the brief for the Melbourne City Square was very complex. And DCM... It's meant to be brief, mate. (laughs) (laughs) You're not really fitting the brief here, making it complex. It would have been a bit of fun. I'd be fun to have around the office. (laughs) Yeah, I think you'd be a great architect. If any architectures architectures are watching. (laughs) And uh, you need someone to just brighten up the office a little bit. Yeah, or architects. Yeah. But either, I could, yeah, have me around, great for banter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a few sort I'll, of architect puns. Yeah, you could employ me to stand by the water cooler. Yeah. And just have a few like, a few zips, a few zaps. Yeah, bit yeah, about. yeah. I reckon that'll be a pretty dehydrated office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Avoiding that section. He's into it. Oh, no. Don't even bother. Bring your own water, yeah. to be honest. It's simply not worth it. So Melbourne City Square, the brief was very complex, and DCM's design included a giant video screen, restaurants, shops, outdoor cafes, uh, a glazed canopy, a sunken amphitheatre. Okay, it sounds like they just let a five-year-old describe what they want. A ball pit. (laughs) A graffiti wall. (laughs) A big slide. A reflecting pool. Ronald McDonald (laughs) high-fiving me. (laughs) Motorbike. My dog. My dog. I'll piggyback on my dad. (laughs) Okay, all right. All right. All right, well, we can do the first thing. You can have the carousel, you can have the big screen. Yeah, about yeah, that. yeah. All right. Well, I'll take I'll it. I'll take that. I'm not even done. It had more. Okay. There was a water wall as well, and then a big open area of the square too. It had enough space for all of that, and it just a big open, a big open area. <laughs> so it was quite an ambitious project, and Melbourne City Council wanted a statement art piece made specifically for Melbourne City Square. So DCM, who, as we know, were designing City Square, they, which was sort of a competition to win that bid, they put on their own competition. Oh, subcom. Yeah, to, uh, to find an art piece that would complement the square's design. Now, if you know Melbourne or you visit Melbourne, you would notice that the city has a lot of bluestone buildings. You know, it's got a general kind of blue-grey vibe to it. <laughs> Um, and Ron Robertson Swan wanted to create a piece to offset some of the greyness and the straight lines that exist in the city. And he won the bid to create the piece for the city square. Right, so, so he, they needed something fun in the square yeah. other than the video screen, the water wall, <laughs> the, the glass carousel. The ball pit. The ball. They needed something that would really make it stand out, yeah. you know? It was going to be a grey video wall. <laughs> Only black and white. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we can't do colour. So his design met the challenge of being a grand interlocked sculpture. I guess that's specifically what they were looking for. And as you can see, it's pretty grand and it's quite interlocked. Hence, we are not getting rained on right right now. We're getting a lot of shelter. I, for one, love interlocked sculptures. (laughs) I can't help but... I've just learned about myself. Can't help but think, though, Jess, that we are not in the Melbourne City Square. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to come up 
pretty soon. Okay. Yeah. Video screen. Yeah, I know. I want to watch the 80s videos. <laughs> <laughs> it also met the requirement of being bold, visually simple, and a strong focal point, which would offset the formal character of the square. So when they're saying, like, we need something complimentary, really they need something completely different, but in a complimentary kind of way. <laughs> I love these art terms you use. <laughs> I know art. I know art. But while the then unnamed piece, didn't have a name for a while, did meet these objectives, it was a little too abstract for public taste. Before it was even built, it began to attract criticism from some media and council factions on the grounds that its modern form was thought to not complement the location, which is pretty ironic given it was chosen because <laughs> yeah. it complemented the location. I'd love to know if Melbourne's ever liked anything at first. <laughs> Like any building yeah. or piece of art. I would love to know if there's ever been something that we've actually... <laughs> that we've gone. <laughs> yeah. That we've gone... Yeah. That's oh, it. A bit of funding into that? Great. Yeah, yeah. sounds like a great idea. Yeah, money great. well spent. Love that. Can't wait to see it. I think the public just found it very radical at the time and the, the public were unused to sort of abstraction and that sort of modernist sculpture. Although... Um, that sort of sculpture was quite representative of the kind of trendy public art at the time. I don't know whether public art should appeal to the public. I think it's really context specific. I think it's nice that sometimes artworks challenge people and this work certainly did. It also had a cost of about $70,000, which was seen to be pretty exorbitant, okay. a bit excessive. Oh, oh, that sounds cheap to me. 70 grand. 70 grand. That's pretty good. I could knock this up for 70 grand. You could or you couldn't? Couldn't. Right, how oh, much? back then, maybe. How much? Oh, this? I wouldn't do this for less than 10 mil. 10 mil, you reckon? <laughs> I wouldn't know where to freaking start. Firstly, I'd have to go to art school. Mine, yeah. would, mine would be made of cardboard if it was up to me. Oh, that's it's quite good. a lot of cardboard. Would it still be this thick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really thick cardboard. Yeah, okay. I've, a bit of papier mache. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, now. I learnt this the hard way, but that does not work outdoors. It doesn't. Once I punched a hole in, in a wall at, at home, an outside wall, okay. while my family was away, and I paper really mached the wall back up, and uh, yeah, that did not, oh, that I, did not last. I have follow-up questions. Um, why <laughs> did you punch a wall? It was a as a joke. Okay. It was a bit of faux anger. Sure. And I took it too far. Okay. Then now, you had to... now who's laughing? Yeah. No one. No one's laughing. But anyway, the point is the paper point mache is. does not do the job <laughs> outdoors. So you're going to have to go back to the drawing board. Maybe you can come to uni with me. Okay, let's do it. Maybe, yeah, we can just go to Steele University. I feel like you don't SU. actually... You don't need to because it's actually already been built. Yeah, oh, well, 40 we just buy it. Yeah, yeah. So if we get the 10 mil, oh, yeah, I'll just go, here's 70 grand for you, Ron Swan. <laughs> yep, thanks so much. Good, good. good job. Good job. Uh, we'll take it from here. But 70 grand, 70 what, grand. four decades ago? Yeah, this that's, is in late 70s when it was first. Started. That's got to be a lot more now. It's a lot of money. Um, and I think, I think maybe the Melbourne City Council felt a bit of hesitation or concern once the public and media started to seem unsupportive of it. They were sort of like, no, nah, maybe we shouldn't go Oh, they started distancing this. themselves. That's when they started saying, oh, we wanted something complimentary, not different. Yeah, but like different, but not that yeah, different. Yeah. But... Patrick McCackie, an incredible name, uh, one of the most eminent and admired art historians in Australia with an incredibly long and impressive resume. He gave his full support to the work. He applauded it for design excellence. He loved it so much he macacked his decks. <laughs> 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 Great, sir. <laughs> 
It's DCM backwards. <laughs> the cat taps. <laughs> That's actually what it stands That's for. That's what it stands for. <laughs> We're trying to talk about art. I know. Oh. We're experts here, okay? We, we know, know things. things and we are respectable <laughs> people. But I imagine that when Makaki puts his... Dacky behind a, a project, the, yeah. the whole public goes, well, if he likes yeah. it. Exactly right. Makaki is like the same age as uh, Ron Robertson Swan, but, uh, and you know, they were both established already in the art world. They're in their 30s, late 30s by this time. But uh, yeah, Makaki already had a reputation for like being very good and knowing what he's talking about. So the Melbourne City Council were like, okay, yeah, no, if he thinks it's all right. And surely with art and stuff, you've got to trust the experts to some degree. Right. Yeah, you would think so. Because, I mean, like, if you didn't tell me, I wouldn't know whether this was good or not. No. I have no idea. <laughs> what do you think about it? I think, oh, look, I think it's it's stupid, and that's, <laughs> I think that's awesome. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I couldn't I couldn't write an essay about right. the uh, geometricity of it or anything like that. So, yeah, they trusted Makaki's opinion, and they went ahead with, uh, you know, letting Ron Robertson Swan make this make this piece of art. Max Delaney, who's the artistic director and CEO of ACCA, wrote a really great piece about Vault a couple of years ago, and he touches a lot on the impact of Vault and also you know, what Melbourne was like then. He says, initially, there was great fanfare, but it very quickly developed into a much publicized controversy, attracting huge public and media debate. It became a staple on the front page of Melbourne's newspapers for six months or so. People just angry about a piece of art that has not uh, been unveiled yet. It's so funny. It's a, it's pretty wild. Well, I mean, it must have been a slow news year. Yeah, it must have been. Six months. Six months at this on the front page. What's going on? What was happening? Oh, we're a pretty cultured city. Yeah. Um, okay. These days, it's still art on the front page every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's the art section. It's the largest section oh, of the huge, paper. Oh, it's huge, exactly. Bre yeah. Breakfast radio duos, you know, Pig Dog and the, the Runt Man. <laughs> I'll still take call back on it. Yeah. What do you reckon? What do you what reckon, reckon about, about Vault? Vault. Uh, to be honest, I like the uh, geometrosity of it. Uh, well said, Pig Dog. <laughs> Which one of you is Pig Dog? I guess me. Yeah. <laughs> Who am I, Runt Boy? <laughs> Runt Boy, yeah, that, yeah, makes sense. that adds up. <laughs> yeah, it checks out. Can I have a name? Uh, yeah, you can do the news. You're a journalist. It's <laughs> true, I'm a journalist. What do you want? I'll, I'll give you a name. Um, oh, then big boy. Uh, <laughs> Cheryl on the news desk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, scarf. Scarf woman. Scarf Guess woman. what she wore to work on her first day on the job. <laughs> we like to have a bit of fun around this office. Head hair. Head hair. Head hair. I'm going to move on. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Cheryl. So <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. 
Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. It didn't really help that, like I mentioned before, the sculpture was unnamed for about two years, which lent itself to people giving it nicknames. Okay. I mean, Robertson Swan himself, he referred to it as the thing. Um, the steel workers who were hired to actually construct it and weld it all together, they called it Steelhenge. Oh, that's fine. That's pretty good. And most famously, some newspapers called it Yellow Peril, a name many still know it by now. Um, but the Yellow Peril is a, a racist term. Originally, it applied to Chinese and other Asian immigration to Europe and Australia in the late 19th century. So it's a confusing uh, correlation. But Max Delaney writes, the nickname Yellow Peril demonstrates a conflation of xenophobia and anti-modernist sentiment which were both pronounced at the time. In the art world, too, it was criticised in some quarters as being cool, dominant and impersonal, without regard for the community, a charge often levelled at modernist sculpture. So it seems like the art community were like, hmm, modernist. No. That's funny that they use cool in a derogatory way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, cool. It's pretty cool. Oh, thanks. No, <laughs> no. in a bad way. Oh. 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 You don't want your art to be cool. You want your art to be... Uncool? Lukewarm. Oh, okay. That's the dream. Yeah. I reckon I'd call it uh, Doritos. Okay. Or, yeah, Yeah. nachos. Nachos, yeah. Meet you at the nachos. Okay. Yeah, like chips and dip, in brackets, sans dip. Yeah. Something like that. Oh, yeah. So it's just just chips, but... Corn chips. Yeah. CCs. CCs. (gasps) Is that what it stands for? (laughs) So Queen Elizabeth II opened Melbourne City Square in May of 1980. That's pretty cool. And like all new things, the square attracted a lot of criticism. This is just Melbourne City Square. People hated it still. It seemed bare. The video screen was too noisy. (laughs) They didn't like the starkness. It had like a glazed steel canopy over it. They're like, I don't like it. They just hated it. And of course, it wasn't just the city square that people were upset by. Vault, as it was finally named by now. Uh, was met with mixed feelings, but mostly negative. Okay. Even the Queen was uh, brought into the issue. Oh, she was not enthused. Well, she was asked by reporters. <laughs> was, uh, please, by the vote. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what she said, and you can do your spot-on Queen impression. Okay. Um, when asked by reporters, she was reported to have said that perhaps it could have been painted a more agreeable colour. Perhaps it could have been painted a more agreeable colour, maybe move. <laughs> Well, the Queen Elizabeth II, obviously famous for uh, her dull colours. Yeah. Never wears a bright outfit. Never! Hates bright colours. Gee, I reckon she's definitely worn vault yellow before. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past her wearing vault yellow. So Max Delaney again writes, There were various demonstrations for and against vault, 
including a public rally in August of 1980 to save our sculpture. So a lot of people got behind it. Right. I think the fact that the media, like newspapers in particular, were really shitting on it kind of made some people rally around it a little bit. Yeah, That's totally underdog kind of thing. Yeah, it very much became a political issue as well. Um, it was the fall guy for opposing factions in the Melbourne City Council. Some part of the Melbourne City Council were really for it, others very much against it. <laughs> Max also says, a much larger sculpture than we'd ever experienced. Uh, it was designed so members of the community could walk through, with and around it. It was always supposed to be a commanding of space and a marker of place, but it never quite landed properly. I don't know if Ron Robertson Swan imagined that we would be sitting inside it. Yeah, recording inside it. Yeah. How many times have people like sheltered under the statue of David? Or I mean, the Mona Lisa? It's got a pretty good bulge, that probably is. <laughs> yeah, that's a one-person bulge. This is a multi-person bulge. Yeah. You can, get, you can have a party under here, it'll be fine. Yeah, and I mean, it being that bright colour as well, like you said, it's supposed to be a marker of place, so it was an easy place to... Yeah. You know, a good landmark, like the big yellow structure, I'll meet you there, or or you'd, you'd see it and know where you were. So it makes sense. Yeah, after a big night out in the city. Uh, oh, hey. vault. Vault. Oh, I mean, you'd probably vomit from seeing the colour at yeah. first, but anyway. A, bit, a little bit off-putting, but whatever. So unfortunately, those who opposed the sculpture eventually won the battle, and less than a year after it was unveiled, it was dismantled and moved to a much quieter and emptier part of the city, to Batman Park on the Yarra. It's kind oh, of abandoned sucks. a little bit. I, I hate it. Don't let these fucking losers win. <laughs> they, uh, they suck. <laughs> They're just going to be like, yeah, Do you, who's spending time to campaign against this sculpture? Yeah. Oh, they're nice. the worst. And especially because a lot of, like, some of the people that are opposing it so strongly are working for the Melbourne City Council. It's like, do you not have other things you could be working yeah, on? Yeah, and or? surely, and moving it, that's going to cost even more money. Yeah, it seems like a bit of effort, but they just, yeah, they, they were against it. But don't worry, don't worry, everything turns out. I really hope it survives. More on tender hooks here. It was pretty frustrating, the move for Ron Robertson Swan, uh, because Vault was intended to be responsive to its location, largely through colour. Um, so moving the sculpture to, an, to a new, different location significantly distorted the artist's original intention. It's like, well, I've made it specifically for yeah. that city square, and now it's just in a park that nobody really spends any time in. It doesn't get a lot of foot traffic. It's just kind of shoved away. Yeah, because like it's an installation, and it was designed to be installed somewhere. Exactly right, yeah. So it stayed in Batman Park uh, until 2002 when it was moved to its current position, where we are now, as ACCA opened its new building here in Southbank. There's a man named Geoffrey Wallace who's written a book called Peril in the Square, and he writes, and when, late in 2002... <laughs> Sorry. I really... Look, I've just read bits, but I love this Yeah, it feels like you've got a real and sense when, of character. <laughs> late in 2002, Vault was moved again to its new home in Southbank after two decades as a homeless shelter, favoured target for graffitists and even a training aid for visiting footballers who appreciated the unpredictable bounce. Lord Mayor John So welcomed it as an old and respected friend. A lot of people have made arguments about Vault that it took 20 years for the, the public to catch up onto that style. And it, I do wonder if these days it would have attracted the same kind of controversy. If anything, it would have been controversial because it was like a, a white man making modernist sculpture and not something more radical. So, I mean, it's hard to say why the public were really uh, surprised by it, but it sounds like they just weren't used to big yellow sculptures. <laughs> This happens a bit where enough time goes by that people will start appreciating things. Yeah. 
So Max Delaney, I mean, maybe a little biased because he is the director of ACCA, but he says this is the ideal location for this now. <laughs> says it sits happily alongside the Victorian College of the Arts and dance company Chunky Move, amazing name for a dance company, as well as Woodmarsh's iconic architecture, which references the sculptural traditions that Robertson Swan was promoting with Vault. It belongs to the city of Melbourne, which looks after its care and maintenance. It's become a popular backdrop for wedding photography because of its gold or yellow colour, which represents good luck and prosperity in many different cultures, which is kind of cool. And in a nice sort of, um, I don't know, it feels like a a little bit of justice. After all that fuss in the late 90s, over half of the Melbourne city square was sold for the development of the Western Hotel. And in the period between 97 and 2000, the remaining area of the square was totally redeveloped with a much simpler plan and granite gravel was introduced. Um, it was just sort of, it was nothing. Like, do you remember? It was, yeah. like, there was like a Brunetti's and... Yeah, like, like one, like a little stream yeah. of a water feature and that was it. Is there a chance it goes back to where it was meant to be? I mean, if we knock down a whole bunch of buildings. Yeah, I'm <laughs> listening. Maybe. And now there's, there's like the big metro tunnel well, that's it, yeah. over there. And so it was this big substantial reduction of its area. And then nearby, just up the road, Federation Square opened in 2002. So now the civic importance of Sydney Square wasn't really, it, re- it was really diminished. It was like, well, why, we've got Fed Square. Yeah. yeah. You know? Why Which would a why would a city of four million people need a second square? <laughs> we don't need that many outdoor spaces. Yeah. Okay. All right. What we, we need? We're selling it off. Yeah. We need big hotels. Yeah. We need big hotels. And yeah, now like you say, uh, it was closed in 2017 after it was announced that City Square would be acquired and demolished to allow for construction of a new railway station. But apparently, when it's finished, they're kind of going to rebuild it to how it was, but I'm talking like 1997, just the small Oh, square. okay, but this could I be I reckon back. this should go back. Oh, it back? looks sick there. That is like a real brown, grey area. Yeah. It yeah. would pop. Do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. So perhaps it's a good thing the vault was moved and found a more permanent home in South Bank. It's at least, it's been here for quite some time now. Um, Eric Rowlandson, who was then the director of NGV, noted in relation to the debate around Vault, similar to what you were saying, Matt, but he said, it inevitably takes 20 years for public acceptance to catch up with the vision of artists. So now people are like, oh yeah, Vault's great. What are you talking about? I never hated it. I was always (laughs) pro-Vault. I love it. My favorite piece of art. I know where it is. I always got it. (laughs) I always got it. Love the yellow. It pops. Love it. I used to visit it at Batman Park all the time. Oh yeah. And there was another, another great piece uh, written by Charles and Kate Nodrum, and they write, Time and familiarity seem to soothe the ruffled feathers of many who had initially disliked the work. This has continued, and today, 40 years down the track, Vault has emerged not just as one of Melbourne's icons, but arguably as the best-known public sculpture in Australia. Yeah. Wow. So there you go. Even that- more than Michelangelo's David. That's one of ours. Isn't it? Yeah, the copy. That's the copy they've got on the Gold Coast. You mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that's the story of uh, Ron Robertson Swan's vault. I love Ronnie Swanee. It really rolls off the tongue. <laughs> yeah, he's the best. Um, and I, I'm, I'm a fan. I think. Yeah, I like it. I think you're right. I think it would, it would be great to see it back in like a, a more central, populated area. But you know, at least it's respected here. My favourite thing about Ronnie Swanee is he didn't even ma- build it. I love. Yeah. I want to be the kind of artist oh, who yeah. goes, yeah. yeah, it's sort of yellow. You're an ideas man. We've got angles. Yeah. And they go, you, you put something together. Yeah. If that's art, then I want in. 
So how do we get somebody else to do this? Oh, <laughs> think is, of this as art. Yeah, this is an art. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you. Dugon Presents Artifacts has been made with the support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation and is available nationwide on the Community Radio Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.